Hey, this is the Insignificant Others podcast, but you probably know that already because you're listening to it. But uh, I'm Brett Featherston, and I'm joined, as always, by the great Robert Flint. Rob, how are you? Doing well. I don't know about great, but I'm doing well, Brett. No, how are in you? In my mind, you're great. Oh, you're... you're I'm doing really good. So uh, our guest on this podcast is Ellen Porter. Ellen Porter... Speaking of greatness, she is a very impressive lady. She started an organization called BraveLove.org. BraveLove exists as an online forum with information and resources for individuals considering adoption. Her story is fascinating. It's, it's, it's really, really good. And uh, I just enjoyed talking to her. She is very sharp. She comes from a great family. She has a great family herself. And when... You listen to the podcast, the concept of adoption is personal for her. She has four children, two of whom are adopted. And through that experience, she was compelled to found Brave Love. Yep. And just so that people know, Brave Love is not an adoption agency. It's essentially... Uh, intermediary between the agencies between the birth moms they but you know what they're trying to do is just change the educate, perception and the change stigma perception because it educate. says right there on their website they're not an adoption agency they're not a pregnancy resource center or a church ministry they're just trying to change the stigma of of adoption to make sure that birth moms know that there's an option for them to to it, it, that it's that it's a very courageous decision Yes, and it and, is. And it's a wonderful decision because you're you're making a it, it's sacrificial and she even says this in the podcast, but at the same time it's it's brave love. It's exactly what it is. No, absolutely. And and for any of those who I uh, hope I, I would actually I, I would I want everyone listening to this podcast to go to Brave Love's website, www.bravelove.org. Because why, why do you always put www? Because I like that. We talk about it in the podcast. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but the the quality of the content on that site, the the videos, the letters from birth moms, letters from adoptive parents expressing love and, and thanks for, you know, or to those birth moms who are brave enough to give up their child for adoption is impressive to say the least the website is top notch it is it's a great website and the the only the only grudge that i have against ellen and it's not really a grudge she violated our our podcast rule number 1 which is you and i can't cry yeah, you know, when we started uh, this podcast, we had some certain rules that we were going to do whatever we wanted to do. We were going to have fun. Unwritten. And, and, and crying was, I don't know if it was, it should have been written down if it wasn't, but, but we should have definitely, we need a sign here for our guests. We do. She, she, she read letters that are extremely touching. I was touched by them. I know you were as well. And um, she single-handedly burst through our our podcast man rules yeah the the whole act of adoption i think is is uh it's the greatest gift i think that anybody can give but you know as you start thinking about adoption if you were to be adopted who would be the single best parents 
to be adopted by. If they were going to adopt 40-something-year-old Rob Flint, who would you want to be adopted by? Great question and very top of mind because hands down, I would want to be adopted by Donald Trump. And I'm not... I'm not going to go with Very Melania. Nice. I'm not going to go with Melania. I'm going to go with Donald Trump and Ivana Trump. Ivana, not and, Marla Maples. <laughs> I mean, you, I mean, Marla Maples and Donald Trump raised a what appears to be a fantastic young young lady. But but I this whole Republican convention experience for me, as I've been watching it on TV, I can't help but just be massively impressed with the whole Trump clan. Specifically, the kids, and and there isn't a bad apple in the group, although the jury's still out on Barron, <laughs> right? So you've got Donald what, what, Trump. What's Barron? Nine years old. Barron's. I think Barron is our daughter's age, our youngest, or my only daughter, your youngest daughter's age. I'm talking Donald Trump Jr., Eric Trump. Maybe we should do an arranged Ivanka right Trump, Tiffany Trump, and Barron Trump. So uh, Ivanka is such an impressive person. She, oh I mean, her gosh. education, her poise, everything, it's, it's unbelievable. Well, they but, all, yeah, they're, they're all well-spoken, and I hate saying that, but they are. They're all well-spoken. You'd be well-spoken if you had a teleprompter, too. Maybe. maybe. Yeah. I, I, couldn't, I couldn't have pulled off what they did in front of a massive audience with a teleprompter in your face. Oh, with those you stakes. Could've. You could have. No, I don't think I could have. They're... Well educated, they all. I mean, it, it seems like it's it's a Trump family prerequisite to go to University of Pennsylvania, which is a phenomenal school, an Ivy League school. They're, Even more than that, go to Wharton School of Business. No, absolutely, and and they're not ugly. Let's just call it that, right? They're extremely good-looking people. I haven't seen uh, Ivanka's husband, but the the wives of the sons are pretty top-notch. They, they, the wives of the sons are very top notch, and I would say, outside looking in, not having any kind of tingly feeling in my stomach, that Ivanka Trump's husband is a handsome man. He's Harvard educated. Yeah, I, I, I don't think she's going to be going out with any dogs. No, yeah. no. But you know what gets me with all of this is that when you hear them talk about how their father talked to them and, and raised them and, and just brought them up in the business and had adult conversations with them at a young age. It, you know, the thing that comes to my mind, because it all reverts back to me, is, is really what a failure I am. Yeah. Dad. No, I mean, I, I, I had, I've had the same feelings. And I think this country... By the way, sorry to interrupt. Do you ever think Donald Trump has ever had the, the conversation with his kids that, that toots aren't funny and you can't do... I mean... It just seems like those types of conversations he's never had with his son where I've got to have them with my no, son. No, I've been in the same boat. No, I agree. It, you know, politics aside, this is not a political podcast, or at least we try not to be political. I, I don't think there is a citizen in this country who, if they were telling the truth, aren't impressed by that entire family. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and so to answer your question, uh, hands down, I want to be adopted by Donald and Ivana Trump. And just think, I 
that were the case, I would have been up on stage. The you could have been national the national convention. Mean, yeah. You know. I wonder if it's too late. What's the what's the age limit on adoption? <laughs> That's maybe a Can question. Can you do it in their forties? That's maybe a question for Ellen. Um, although I, when I saw Barron. I thought about this too. Barron Trump was on the stage at the end of the Republican National Convention after Donald Trump gave his speech, and he was in a suit and tie. And we both have thirteen-year-old boys. Our our boys are older than Barron. I think Barron is ten or eleven. I think it would have taken an act of Congress, literally, to convince my son, my older son, to wear a suit and then go on to a stage where he would be seen with his family because that would have taken away time, his beloved time, from activities such as Xbox. <laughs> Do you think Baron plays Xbox? Oh, I don't think Baron plays Xbox. Or Snapchat. It, don't forget about Snapchat. But See, every time I see Baron, the only thing I can think of is that they misnamed him. His name should have been Spalding. <laughs> <laughs> he looks like a Spalding. He does look like a Spalding. And you know what? I would, I would bet the house that 20 years fast forward, Baron and Spalding, i.e., who is it? Is it which Jones kid is the grandson? Oh, no, the it's grandson? Uh, oh, the one they talk about on the ticket. Yes, well, I don't yes. know. Who, I'm not sure who, which one that is. But the Jones grandson will become best friends and probably business partners. And maybe their families will unite like, you know. Um, and, and one of them will be president. Probably. Yes. Yeah. At least a senator. Yes, at least. And that would be a failure. That, yeah. Well, I don't. We'll see. Spalding might. Um, Spalding. Baron might grow up to be a, a great person like his brothers and sisters. Yeah. Well, half well, brothers and sisters. How many different. There's like three mommies there, so. There's three mothers. So there's five. Five children total. Ivanka's Ivana. Yes. Donald Jr. is... Ivana. Ivana. Don is... It, oh, not just Don Eric. Jr. Eric is Ivana. Okay. Tiffany is, is Marla. Marla. And Baron slash Spalding is Melania. Yes. Impressive. Yeah. So he's got a, a pretty high percentage of turning out pretty good. Maybe you could get on bravelove.org and see if there's a way that you can get adopted. Well, you know what? I think I'm going to pick up the phone and ask our our next guest if that's even possible. Let's let's make that happen because I, I want you to be part of the Trump family. That way, you can invite <laughs> me. You're lying. You would you would shove me aside and put yourself front and center. So I, I think we might be uh, making too much light of a, of a serious issue, and and really the work that Brave Love does is it is the Lord's work, and they're they're not a uh, a religious organization, but you can tell by listening to Ellen speak that there's definitely uh, an inspiration with her along those lines. And Ellen Porter, I think you're really going to love this podcast. She's a great human being, great individual. She She's engaging. She's got wonderful stories, and she's doing it all for a very good cause. So without further ado, here comes our podcast with Ellen Porter. And we're back with another episode of the Insignificant Others podcast, and we're excited to have our guest today, Ellen Porter. Ellen is the founder of BraveLove.org. BraveLove.org is a pro-adoption movement dedicated to changing the perception of adoption by acknowledging birth moms for their brave decision. Ellen, thanks a ton for being here. Really appreciate it. Thanks for having me. I'm excited. And as always, we've got Rob Flynn here too. Hi, Rob. Hey, Brett. Hey, Ellen. Hi. So, uh, Ellen, tell us, how did... You're the founder of Brave Love. How did 
that come to be? It's a, it's a wonderful organization, but can you give us kind of the story of how it, it kind of came to, to your mind and then manifested itself in this great organization? Yeah, absolutely. I, um, I kind of shudder at the name founder because there were so many people that were involved in it, honestly, but, um, I'm, I'm stuck with it now, so I'll just go with it. But, um, so Frank Garrett is the president of the Gladney Center for Adoption and Mary Jane Fogarty is the president of Thrive Women's Clinic. And those two people got together to discuss, um, the statistic that 2% of women in an unplanned pregnancy choose to place for adoption. That is an extremely low number. So I'll say it again to just get your mind around it, but a little less than 2% of women in an unplanned pregnancy choose to place for adoption. And so these two people got together to say, what can we do about that statistic? Okay, so uh, excuse me, I'm jumping in here on your story, but why do you think it's so low? Why is it only 2%? Well, you know, there's there's so many reasons about that, and, and, and that's why Brave Love was so needed, and that's what this discussion was about. And there's so much stigma around... Um, birth mothers and adoption and adoption has changed vastly over the last 20, 30 years. It's not even the same thing as it, as it used to be, but we have these preconceived notions and ideas of what we think adoption is. And if you don't know, then you're thinking it's just giving up a baby and you'll never see this baby again. And, um, all of those and, and, oh, this is so shameful to have an unplanned pregnancy in the first place and then to give my baby up. Okay. That is how it used to be back, um, decades ago. And, um, back then women, weren't encouraged to hold their babies after they delivered and these babies were whisked away and so on and so forth. But now in today in a, in this day and age, 90% of adoptions are either open or semi open. And that means that a um, birth mother can have a relationship with her child. Yeah. So there's so many, um, we, we, we had to dive into that. So what, why, why is it only 2%? And what we, what we found was is that there is a real lack of information and resources about adoption and what adoption actually is today in the year, well, back then, 2012. But, um, so real quick, when you say open adoption, <laughs> does that mean that the mom comes in and out of their lives or ha- what kind of contact does a mom have? Exactly. So, um, First of all, a birth mother has all the power in the world to choose the family that she wants to place her child with. It's a birth mother who chooses the family who gives... So she gets to interview potential families? Yes. Oh, that's fantastic. All of that. And if a birth mother says, you know, I want to know this child, I want to be a part of this child's life then they will choose a family who's open to those requests. If the birth mother just thinks that she would like to have letters, I just want to see a picture every once in a while. That would be called a semi-open adoption. So a semi-open adoption is an adoption that is facilitated through an intermediary, like an adoption um, organization and or an attorney or so on and so forth. And so 
you have um, agencies that are facilitating that. Um, the birth mother would send letters to the agency, and the birth family—I mean, and the adoptive family—would send letters to that agency. And so that would be semi-open. A fully open means we've exchanged cell phone numbers. You have my address. I've got your address, and we're buddies, and we're navigating these waters together. So that's what open means. And so um, the birth mother interviews families that she would be interested in placing their um, her baby with. I mean, this is her child. And and the, all that we realized in, in starting Brave Love is that um, the birth mother's story wasn't being told. It was a lot about these precious families that couldn't have babies and then these darling babies who are placed into families and everybody's happy, but where did that baby come from? And um, we really felt the need to pull this woman out of the shadows and share her stories because um, what she has done is so incredibly sacrificial and loving and heroic to endure nine months of a pregnancy knowing that at the end of that, at the labor and delivery, you are going to be handing over the fruit of that labor to another family is just um, something to be applauded, not something to be um, shoved under the rug. And, um, you know, that that... That is where Brave Love came in as we really realized that she needs a voice and um, she needs to be encouraged to uh, share her story, but then also adopting families and adoptees needed a platform to hear her story and then to yeah. also be able to yeah. say thank you for that. Let's let's go back to the, the 2% of unplanned pregnancies ending up in adoption real quick. So the other 98%. Mm-hmm. Of that 98%, what is the percentage of those unplanned pregnancies resulting in an abortion or, let's say, baby is born and there's no home for it, it ends up in foster care? Okay, so you have, um, th- there, there are three things that, that you can have. So either the baby is born and the parent chooses to parent, mm-hmm. um, the baby is um, aborted, or you have adoption. So those are your three. Okay. So it would be automatically that then that two percent place for adoption would be those babies who the baby is born and then the child is removed from her care, perhaps because for whatever reasons that she would not be um she would be deemed unable to care for this child. And but that would fall into that two percent statistic. Okay, and I'm not, I don't want to make this podcast about abortion specifically, but but how what is the percentage of Those babies, yes. Right, right. Well, you have, um, we have some old data that said 48% chose to abort Mm. and 50% choose to parent and 2% choose to place. Um, That statistic is very, it's it's from a long time ago because it takes so long to collect that data. Sometimes when you get it, it's 10 you know, years after the fact, but the late, the latest, um, that I have is actually that 70, excuse me, 57% choose to parent and 26 choose to abort 15% miscarry. So that's a new Mm -hmm. thing that they put in here. And then, but it's still the, the fact remains that 2% choose to place for adoption. And, and that 2% is even really more like 1% in the traditional sense that we think of adoption, because out of those 2%, Half are placed with a family through our traditional sense of adoption, choosing a family. And the other half is placed within the family unit. So sibling adoption, maybe my brother adopts my baby or my cousin or grandmother and so forth. So within family adoption. 
So that's interesting. You know, the website talks about the fact that, and you've alluded to it during this podcast, there's shame involved. Mm -hmm. There's uh, mystery. Mm -hmm. There is a stigma, a negative stigma Mm -hmm. associated with adoption. So what is that um, from your perspective? And what are, what are you doing to, Mm -hmm. to try to turn the tide? Well, we have found that um, for birth mothers to have a platform to hear from their adoptees has been so healing. A lot of those women who did place so many years ago have never heard from their children, and they are seeking to to find them. Just yeah, the story in my mind is is like placed in a basket and left on the on, on the front steps. Exactly. Exactly. And that and that's what it used to be and that is not, like I said not at all. And you can understand why it's only 2% if you feel like it's oh. it's abandonment rather than Place a, a courageous decision exactly. to let somebody else raise. Exactly. It. And that's and that's um you know part of the lingo something that Brave Love's really working with is is you're not giving up your baby. You're making a parenting choice for your child. You're placing your child with a family. You're not giving them up. You're not putting them up. You're not giving them away or abandoning them. It is, you know, being very intentional about choosing who you want to parent. But back to what you were saying, Rob, um, the overwhelming sense from these adoptees um, in these children that have been placed and have been adopted is thank you. I want to say thank you. And these women have never heard that, and they feel like they should be ashamed or my child is going to feel abandoned or upset. So I have a a great letter that um, is on our website. Um, We have a a part of our website is open open letters and the stories and Arva videos. Yeah, I'm going to interrupt because we were talking earlier, and for anybody who goes to Brave Love's website, it's www.bravelove.org. Org, O-R-G. Do you, do you still have to put in the www? You do. You do. <laughs> That's kind of old school. Can't you there, just type in? I mean, is that there? It's for that one person who still uses dial-up through AOL. Two thousand five. Okay. Is it a fourteen-four right, modem? We have to include all of our listening audience. <laughs> um, Everybody. But but when you go to the website, it is abundantly clear within a millisecond the high quality of content. And, and the high quality of marketing and messaging, and it's, it's unlike anything I've ever seen. And, I mean, that, that is kudos to you and your team. Thank you. It's not just you. Right and, now. and Rob knows a lot about but, that. But on the website, on the website you know, Ellen's going to read one of her letters, but there are letters from um, birth moms, mm-hmm. letters from adoptive parents. Yep. There are videos and the video content is is excellent. So I didn't mean to interrupt, but no, I just want to make sure that people go to the website and they they view this content. Exactly. And I think they'll be impressed when they do. Well, it de- it really it really speaks from for for itself. And you know, adoption. Uh, those of us in the adoption world, we talk about the adoption triad because you have the adoptee, that's the child who is placed. You have the adoptive parents and the family, and then you have the birth parents. And so you have these, these three and, um, bravelove.org. We seek to be a clearinghouse for excellent adoption information and resources. And so for people, both adoptive parents to explore adoption, birth mothers to explore adoption and adoptees to explore other people's stories and, and, and to share, share that information and resources with each other. 
And then, of course, we have um, excellent adoption agencies that we partner with um, to for prospective, you know, birth mothers to, you know, put them in a place where they will be very well, well cared for before, during, and after placement. But um, this particular, this is just so typical of, of the letters and the emails, which we get in abundance, and we're so grateful, but um, from a particular adoptee, it says... Um, I want to start off by saying that I can never thank you enough for the gift that you gave me. I have nothing but love and respect for you. It's because of you that I have such an amazing life. As a child, I always felt loved. My parents allowed me to choose any sport or hobby I found interesting while also pushing me academically. I enjoyed basketball, tennis, and above all, dancing. Every summer, I looked forward to attending Camp Longhorn for three weeks of fun on the lake. As I mentioned, my parents pushed me academically. By seventh grade, I had already visited every college on the East Coast. To be fair, we were actually looking for my brother, but my parents made sure that I was paying attention too. <laughs> when time came for me to apply, I chose to stay close to home. I graduated from Texas A&M and became an elementary school teacher. A few years later, I earned my master's in reading teaching, excuse me, I earned my master reading teacher certificate from SMU. I also want you to know that I think your brave choice allowed me to meet my husband, Evan. We met in college and now have been together for over 10 years. We have the cutest redheaded baby boy who means the world to us. Oh my gosh, what a true joy. Having our son makes me respect you even more. As an adult, I actually think about you even more. I wonder if we look alike. I wonder if you too love dogs, kids, Michael Jackson songs, and sipping wine. I hope that you are in love. I hope you have kids. I hope you think of me. And most of all, I hope that one day you will read this so that you know that I am happy because of what you gave me, a beautiful life. Wow, that's powerful. It's powerful. Yeah. And we don't know, this is from Sally, and we have no idea if Sally's birth mother ever will read this. But we have birth mothers going to bravelove.org all the time, reading this, hoping that their child would write the same thing. So are they, are they ambassadors of Brave Love? And this is, um, they share this content with you and they allow you to publish it or share it with, well, with folks? Or, or did they somehow um, find out about Brave Love mm-hmm. And they, they, you know, the birth mom sees the literature in, in the, the women's center and somehow, some way it comes to light that brave love transformed how they were going to approach this unplanned pregnancy. Mm-hmm. And then lo and behold, they adopt or mm-hmm. they not adopt. They Good give place. their birth, mm-hmm. their mm-hmm. baby up for adoption. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So our term ambassador is a little bit different. So that's a, that's a financial piece that we, we, we love having oh, ambassadors. I'm sorry. I apologize. It's, it's, that's a fun, like a fundraising. Right. So okay. yeah, sorry. but, but no, I mean, absolutely. Sally is an ambassador. She values brave love. I mean that, so, yeah. so what we, what we term ambassador is, is kind of a few pieces, but I know you, you, you saw that on our, on our website and I can talk more about what it means to be an ambassador later, but, but yes, I mean, she, um, we have Google ads, we have Facebook ads and, and, um, you know, because of the, World Wide Web that you brought up earlier. Um, you know, we're we're international, and people can you know Google adoption and Brave Love will pop up. And so, I don't know how Sally in particular came across Brave Love, but we have um, lots of links on our site. Share your story, share your email, and so she wanted to submit a letter, and and so she did. So, is there a way to 
punish adoptive parents if they do something so horrendous, like make their children go to A and M, like poor <laughs> Sally had to. <laughs> I'm sorry. As far as I know, no. That's no, just yeah. yeah. Feel sorry for. Her. I know. I did. I kind of felt sorry too as I was reading that. But anyway, <laughs> you can't can't go there. So there, I think we've we've got lots of questions that we want to ask as it relates to brave love, but but you have a personal connection to the adoption process, and I think that's critical to your story. Right. You and your husband, Reed, um, why don't you share your story sure. with, with our audience sure. and how adoption, adoption excuse me, has changed your life. Yeah. So um, Reed and I were living in San Antonio uh, while he was going through law school, and um, we were just way in the red and, and would, would, would enjoy anything that we could that was free. And so there was a free <laughs> Stephen Curtis Chapman concert, and we were there. Um, and we did not realize he would do this unbelievable presentation on adoption. So, um, three of his daughters were adopted from China and he, you know, we just, we walked out of there and said, we're going to do that one day. I mean, that's amazing. We want to, we want to adopt. Um, we weren't ready to have children. So fast forward, you're ready to have children and we're having difficulty having children biologically and, you know, we really talked about it and prayed about it and said, you know what, this this was always a plan A for us. This was not a plan B. Let's just start the process and, and you know, this is what we want to do. And so um, we looked into adopting from China, but um, every country has um, different requirements. And at that point in time, we were not old enough to adopt from China. So we were looking at other options. And as, as, um, as it was, we ended up going through Guatemala um, mm-hmm. was, was where we chose to, to adopt from. And so, um, we had entered into the process and were considered approved and waiting had not been assigned a child. And I, um, w- became pregnant and, um, my uh, first instinct, I mean, my very first thing, I just started to weep and, and honestly prayed and said, Lord, I want both. I want both. You know, this was not, I was so worried that my baby that I'd been caring for in my heart, that it was in Guatemala, was going to be taken away from us because a lot of countries, if, if an adoptive family becomes pregnant, they take you out of the, out of the running. And so, um, we, um, were able to, thankfully Guatemala wasn't that way. And we were able to, um, we were, had actually been approved for adopting twins. And so I think that we kind of scooted in under that, under that bar that way. Um, anyway, long story short, fast forward. And, um, I Bennett, our, our son, my biological child was due on December 6th. Well, thankfully he came a month early. He was born in early November because Reed flew the very first of December to Guatemala to go pick up Caleb. So had, had all of that worked out the way it was, Reed would have missed the the birth of Bennett and it would just would have been not pretty, but as it was, it was all worked out kind of in a tidy bow sort of thing. And so we had a, a, a seven month old and an infant and it was not. Yeah. So how old is seven month? Is, is that usually the age that the adoption happens or is for, it? for international adoption? No, it's actually very young. Um, but Guatemala is, which is now closed, um, to international adoption, sadly. But, um, at the time there were just, there were lots of really young babies and it was a, and it was a relatively small process. So some babies are matched with a family, but the process just takes so long that your child may not come home for 18 months, two years and so on and so forth. So, um, at the time that was, I mean, that that's very unusual to have such a young baby, but that was how it was in Guatemala at the time. Oh, that's fantastic. Yeah. So then fast forward, um, 
have and then got pregnant again and had our our third born Silas and I had ugh just heaps of kids three two and zero it was <laughs> ugly and um all boys crazy anyway and just was speaking at an adoption conference at my church about you know the need for adoption and was really feeling like I'm not going to adopt again but I'm going to tell all these people that they should do it and um and was reading this great book called Adopted for Life and uh, the guy in the book says, if you are feeling close to adoption, just pray. And if and if it's the Lord's will, he'll definitely change your heart about it. And so I kind of half-hearted put down my book and said, if it be your will, change my heart. You know, kind of halfway. And I, I mean, the scales fell off. I could not get to the computer fast enough to start typing in Chinese international adoption qualifications. Reed was out of town. He calls me and says, what are you doing? And I said, well, I've got some really exciting news. He said, okay, what is it? And I said, well, we're going to be adopting again. I said, wow, okay, well, man. Um, I, 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 sit down. I, so, I, I, yeah, is that how he usually makes his decisions? <laughs> <laughs> so, so I said, actually, Reed, you always wanted four, and you always wanted a daughter for China. So, for the, so really, this is me just getting on your bandwagon. And sure I'm enough, he's like, you. okay, yeah. yeah. And so he was great with it. Um, and, and we end up, um, fast forward, um, Silas, second birthday was when we were in China picking up Micah. Um, they were, the, the boys were all at home, but um, he turned to while we were picking up Micah. And so she was 18 months. So they're six so months they can, apart. Okay. They're six months apart. So we have uh, nine and eight and a half. So they're just seven months apart. And then we have five and five and a half. And so they're just six months apart. Now, when you adopted from China, um, our former pastor at our church kind of had midlife crisis, and instead of getting a, a, a sports car, he adopted a yes, girl from yes, China. Yes, and they lived down the street from us. Oh, did they really? Before they moved. Okay. Yes, they sure did. It, but one of the things that he was talking about is he had to sign an agreement that he would not ever spank. Oh. No corporal punishment at all. I, you know, there's so many papers and things you have to sign. I have, I, I, have, I have zero memory of whether or not I had to sign that piece of paper. I, I, what, what does that say about me? I'm sorry. We'll just say that you've never <laughs> spanked, just in case. <laughs> but clearly, you have no guilt about that. So, so Micah must be must be spanking free. <laughs> well, you just come to our house on any given day. Yes. The, the, the proof's in the punch. We'll I, I just find it very ironic that it's a communist country that has uh, so many human rights violations. Uh, but here's somebody doing such a wonderful act of love and they put that right. restriction on them. Oh, and it's they like, uh, you have to you have to fit within a body mass index and not, I, I, you wouldn't believe the things that oh, they really? require. Yes. Yes. Wow. Yes. But you know, when you look at things like that, you think it's crazy, but it, honestly, it's for they they look at it as 100% for the benefit of the child. Right. And so even when you've got these crazy things that the hoops that you have to jump through even for domestic adoption. You know, it's really frustrating as as a as a mother and father at heart who cannot seem to have biological children. And you're looking to your left and your right. I mean, I'll never forget when I wanted to be a mommy, Britney Spears had two babies. And I was like, "Really?" She can have two babies and I've got to like sign my life away and have FBI's looking, you know, and all this sort of stuff. And Brittany gets two babies, you know, and she's shaving off her head in the barber shop. Anyway, 
I was really Mother, frustrated by that. Motherhood will do that to you. Yeah, I guess. Now I know. Um, but it was one of those things where I, I felt so frustrated. But then at the same time, I realized, you know, they're doing every these countries, including America, are doing everything they can to make sure that these children are in the very best of hands. And so I, I don't begrudge them that. And, you know, I can really, I can appreciate it more now. So, do you know what happened with Guatemala, why they said no more? Yeah. So um, when you're looking at international adoption, Oftentimes, these are in you know third world countries, very tumultuous uh, in, in in all sorts of all sorts of ways. And there was a lot of corruption that that came out with um, mm. Guatemala. That children were not that the children were being placed internationally that were not legally adoptable. They had living relatives that wanted them, and so um, it was it was horrible that um, some of these children were then in the U.S. and then Guatemala is calling saying, nope, this is not your child. And um, so that Guatemala didn't have the infrastructure to meet the demand. And the same thing is going on in Ethiopia right now. Um, there are, there, when a country opens up, a lot of families feel called into adoption. And so they have this you know, flood of families and then all these children and they just don't have the systems in place to do what they need to do um, to make sure that these children are legally adoptable and and in the, in the right hands. And so, you know, it again, it's for the protection of the child. Right, right. Sadly, now you have children stockpiling in orphanages and it's just it's so tragic and it's so sad, but it's just um, kind of the way, the way, it's a balance. There's a financial component to all of this as well yeah. because when as the way I understand it when you adopt a child mm-hmm. internationally money takes money exchanges hands mm-hmm. and I think that's obviously the case here in the States yeah, yeah absolutely Abs- so, yeah yeah no money is, is, is a factor and a lot of the reason why people don't adopt is because it's it's expensive yes um, I mean how I mean just real quick I mean how much would a would an adoptive family have to pay for uh, to adopt a baby in yeah. China, for example, today. Today, anywhere between twenty to thirty thousand dollars. Wow. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Rob, really Rob was looking at adopting an eighteen-year-old Swedish girl. Was that? <laughs> that doesn't. Well, sadly, I was. I was looking. I was looking to adopt a, a Chinese baby, but since there's a BMI requirement, <laughs> I'm, I'm automatically eliminated. You're eliminated. I'm automatically so, eliminated. Oh, so, Rob! You I'm, ran forty I'm, miles over mountains. Does he? Well, know? Yeah, exactly. Does he know that? So I've got a question for you. You know, it's interesting, um, having grown up and, and known kids that were adopted but had no contact with their parents at all or didn't find out until late in life that they were right. adopted. Right. With the open adoption or semi-open mm-hmm. adoption, mm-hmm. so it, it kind of gets it out there immediately for oh, the yeah. kids. Is that, I mean, share with us, talk about how that's better for the kids. So to much better. Who wants a bomb dropped on them at 13? I mean, it's easy in my household because my children are Hispanic and Chinese. I mean, you don't have, um, it's not a doubt what's going on when, when, when we walk down the street. How old is Micah now, by the way? She's five. She's five. Yeah, she's five. And so, um, but when you have a domestic infant situation of a of a white family who adopts a white child, honestly, sometimes parents just kind of forget to have those conversations. Um, and it did used to be a thought that you just don't talk about it and they'll be better just being protected from this and so on and so forth. What we know now is it is only going to benefit the child to know 
that they have been loved right from the get go. That, um, that like all of these letters, I mean, so I have this other letter from a birth mom that I'll read in just a second. I mean, who doesn't want to know that they were so loved that they were handpicked a mom and father to, to rear you. I mean, there's so much, um, I, I feel like just, it's just a victory of Satan when there's like this shroud of secrecy. I mean, it's amazing story. Like you, you were so loved. We were handpicked for you. And now we get to, you know, honor this woman who chose the hard road to love you so well. And so, um, you know, to me, just it kind of exposes everything right from the get-go. I mean, we talk to to our children all the time about their adoption stories, and they have books, and they can, um, when we talk to, every year, we because we're international, we celebrate Gotcha Day, because it's not, we know their birthdays, and we celebrate their birthdays, but we also celebrate the day we got them, and they became a porter. <laughs> it's like a big, it's a big day, and we celebrate that, and we celebrate their culture, and, and we just, we don't ever want it to be something we're ashamed of. Yeah. Because it's this was not our plan B, and um, we are we feel like it's something to really celebrate um, with our children. So, um, has Micah been back to China? No, not it, yet. Uh, we, does we, she have a desire? Or is she? I mean, she's still young. Yeah. But is she talking yeah. about? Oh yeah. I mean, she would love to go to China, and she loves things that are Chinese. And and you know, I we can't wait to take all of them down there. And we had we've talked with Caleb too about going to Guatemala and. Um, we still are in contact with his foster mother who, who had him for the first seven months. And, um, you know, we've kind of tiptoe in the water and, and, and basically the way I, I deal with it with, you know, in our household is read not always want to be a safe place. Like you can talk to us. Are you feeling, you know, that, you know, or does this make you feel insecure? I mean, how are mm-hmm. you doing? How, you know, so occasionally I'll throw out things every now and then, and he'll talk about a fit physical feature or, um, you know, I wonder, I wonder if my birth mother had hair like mine. I said, you know, I wonder that too, you know, and just not take, not being threatened by that. <laughs> I mean, I'm his mother. I, I, I don't want to feel threatened by him wanting to know, where he came from. Well, the open adoption's got to be great, too, when you, when you start talking about um, inherited uh, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. traits, you know, whether or not it's heart conditions or, exactly. or something like that. So I mean, helpful. It's, mm-hmm. it's got to be extremely mm-hmm. helpful. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to read this um, brief, really sweet letter from this birth mom that's also on our website, but it was just, it was my favorite one that I've found, but it's, um, to me, I feel like um, so indicative of a, of a birth mother's heart in an open adoption situation. And she says, I'll start off by saying, I'm proud to be your birth mom. I'm proud that I trusted and believed in God's word. And that was adoption. I know in my heart that God handpicked me out to be the special woman to carry you for nine months for your mommy. Sometimes it's hard to understand what God is doing. And believe me, at first, it was very hard for me to understand. Though the minute I met your parents, I a hundred percent understood God's doings. Etta girl, you have the most amazing parents ever. I love them so much. Your mommy is one of my best friends. Now, I'll be honest with you. When I first read about your parents and I discovered that your daddy was an English teacher, I thought to myself, oh boy, a nerd. To this day, I give your daddy a hard time about it. He's clearly not a nerd, though. He is amazing, and I couldn't have picked a better daddy for you than him. They will always be your parents, and I'll always be your Coco. I want you to know how much I love you, my sweet Etta girl. 
There isn't a day, not even a minute that goes by that I do not think of you. You are so special to me and hold this place in my heart that could never be taken away. I wanted the best for you. I wanted you to have the world. I wanted your future to be the brightest of all. I didn't care about my feelings. All I wanted was for this little human being growing inside me to have the world that she deserves because God created this little human being inside me for a reason. I know in my heart that reason was for you to be adopted. My sweet Edda girl, you are so special in so many ways to so many people. People all over the world love you. One of the scariest thoughts is that you might think I didn't think you were special enough and didn't love you enough. I'm here to tell you, my sweet Edda girl, you are more than special to me, and I love you so much. Sometimes the words aren't able to express how much I love you. I could sit here and write and write and still not feel like I wrote how special you are to me and how much I love you. As you grow older and start to understand more of your story, I ask that you do your Coco a favor. When you wake every morning, will you please say to yourself, my Coco loves me. Whatever your future holds, know your Coco will be one of your biggest fans. I mean, how can knowing that from an early age be harmful? And not to say that Etta won't deal with, you know, wrestle with that. Because, I mean, let's be honest, all adoption begins with with loss, like, you know, and 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 a breaking of a very real bond. And so to, to belittle that or to say that it's easy is just wrong. Mm-hmm. But um, there's real beauty that can be brought up from these ashes. I have to say, Brett, that Ellen is, is seriously threatening the no-cry rule on the Significant <laughs> Others podcast. <laughs> I'm, I'm doing my best not to shed a tear, Ellen. Okay, good. Sorry. I, mean, you know, I won't read any more letters I'm putting up my man, my man <laughs> shield. But that, that letter is very touching. So look, it's allergies. Okay. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> yes. So earlier you were saying that brave love is, or information mm-hmm. about adoption, branded as brave love, is right. in hundreds of women's clinics mm-hmm. across this country. That's right. How how many clinics? How many states? What, yeah. what is so, the footprint of brave love today? It's so exciting. Um, we're in over 500 pregnancy resource centers and women's clinics across the U S we're in 40 out of 50 States. Um, and so if you know anybody in Utah or Hawaii or Rhode Island or West Virginia, we need, we we need some ends in those States, but, um, we just want to equip those people that are on the front lines who are working directly with these young women with excellent adoption resources and information that they are not only well done, that's really important in our opinion. I mean, a lot of these pregnancy resource centers had a VH VH tape, you know, with a big roll in TV from the, you know, 1980s. And as we said, that's 30 years ago, adoption has changed Mm -hmm. fastly. And so these women need to know what all their choices are. And, you know, Brave Love um, envisions a community where, Adoption becomes a common path for a woman experiencing an unplanned pregnancy. Um, when a woman finds out she's pregnant, she's got three choices. She can parent, she can place for adoption, or she can abort. But right now, that place for adoption isn't even on the table. And so we are seeking to sway public opinion and show them that it is absolutely an option that should be on the table. And um, so that way, 
when a woman finds herself in that situation, her pastors, her teachers, her parents, her friends have a frame of reference themselves to speak about adoption. So that way, um, it's already built in her, her thought process if she ever comes into that. So states like West Virginia, I can see the twinkle in your eye. You're, <laughs> you're, you're a dedicated lady. What, what are you doing to... Mm-hmm. Reach that. To reach that state. Right. Like what, who are you talking to? What are you trying to do? Yeah, so there are um, pregnancy resource center conferences in the U.S. And so Brave Love goes to these and we buy a table and we buy ad space. And so we interact with people there. And, and it's, you know, it's kind of a tight knit community with, within the adoption world. And so we're just constantly, you know, leveraging those, those, um, partnerships that we do have and trying to, to reach other people. Who do you know that needs these resources? Can you put us in, in contact? And you mentioned something earlier, Rob, about, you know, being branded with Brave Love, there needed to be the the hole that existed in this space. A lot of adoption agencies have got great materials. They've got great materials out there, but um, there needed to be a third party out there, a neutral third party, and that's what Brave Love is. Because Brave Love doesn't stand. I, you all were talking about the cost for adoption, um, and there is a cost for adoption. And so when you see a uh, adoption pamphlet stamped with an adoption agency, a lot of uh, you know, these mothers would think, oh, they just want my baby. They're just looking for money. And which adoption agencies, let me just say this, are not looking for money. That money is not, these are non-for-profit businesses that are often losing money to care well for these women as well as orphans overseas and so forth. I won't so go into where that. Where does the box. money go to? Well, so for example, the Gladney Center for Adoption, who both of our babies are Gladney Center babies. Gladney Center has... The great Edna Gladney Center. The great. Uh, it's... I've heard so many great things yeah, about that place. Yeah, it it's phenomenal. I mean, it's, it's, it's been around since the late 1800s doing this. And so um, I just have the highest respect and a, a large amount of bias because my babies are gluttony babies. But um, they have a phenomenal um, women's facility for birth mothers to care for them, to give them job training so they continue their school education. They have counseling before, during, and after placement. They pour into these women because they know what they're going to go through. And they know that they need a lot of care and a lot of support and not to mention truth. They need These women need to know that when they sign their rights away, there is no taking that back. And so they do a whole lot to educate these women and prepare them for what they're entering into. So that way, these women don't look up two years down the road and think, I never knew. Yeah, because that was one of my questions with an open adoption, especially mm-hmm. where there's a relation that's going on. It might be six months, 12 months, situations change for the birth moms, and they may go, wait, I want my baby back. Yes, and that, that um, adoption is legally binding. I mean, those, those, once those birth mothers, once they sign their papers, and that's another thing. Um, a long time ago, you have all these stories about, well, I was under anesthesia and I didn't know Mm -hmm. and all of that. And that is not, um, 
there, there, are, there are wait periods, and it varies state by state for when a child can sign that paperwork. And so that is not that is not the case anymore. I mean, these women are no longer, you know, um, th- it's not the same thing. And so, um, but they they need to know that what they're entering into is is legally binding, and and they cannot go knock on the door in two years and say, "I want that baby back." And as well, it's important for birth mothers to know that if you have an open adoption agreement. That also is not legally binding. And so um, if, because the parents of that child have the rights to protect the child, if they feel like they're, it is not in the best interest of the child to have a relationship right. with the birth mother or birth father any longer. And so um, it, there, there's a deep amount of trust yeah. that needs to happen between those two. And I'm assuming it's the same on the other side. So it seems like five years ago, something like that, there was a big story in the news about somebody that adopted a child, I think from Russia. Yes, yes. Uh, And then uh, after a certain amount of time, I don't know if it was six months, two years, whatever, said, I I can't handle it. I need to send him back. So, you know, it's legally binding with the adoptive Mm -hmm. parents to say, no, no, this is your child now. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. There's There's no one foot in, one foot out. Right. But there are, um, just like in a situation, you know, a, a, a foster care situation or a ca- case when a child is not being well cared for. I mean, there are cases where a child is taken out of a home because it is not the best environment for that child. And, and, so, and it could happen with a biological child. Too. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. So, and it's, I mean, when you hear stories like that, it just makes you sick. I mean, so heartbroken not only for the child, but for that family. It just is all, oh, it's, it's, it's terrible and it's really sad. Um, and, but there are, you know, I, I, I talk to people cause people get, they, oh, I want a baby. That's so wonderful. That's so fun. This isn't a puppy, you know, <laughs> these are children. And when you're talking about international adoption, you're talking about children that come from really hard places. And that's another thing that I think is so amazing about excellent adoption agencies like Gladney, where the money goes. I went to two full days of training to excuse me, not I, I went with Reed. We both went. We were required to have two solid days of training for a child coming home to us from China, internationally adopted. And they were in our house and um, doing our our home studies and following up after with all of these post-placement visits and letters to back to China saying how we're doing. Um, And I have, Gladney has a policy called Gladney for Life. And if at any stage in the game, I want to seek counseling for our benefit or for the benefit of Micah or Caleb for that matter, we can call on them. And that's all part of it. And so, I mean, they are with us and they want successful adoptions. They want families, children to find success in loving homes. And so that's, that's a lot Mm -hmm. of what your cost. And it's just China charges you. You got to pay. I mean, I, you have to take a lot of money over to China with you and, you know, give it to the Chinese government because they've been caring for those children for however long they've been there. So, yeah, that's where a lot of it goes. So the staff, you, you said earlier there's two full time staff members of Brave Love of yes, Brave Love. Yeah. Yes. There's you and then countless volunteers and ambassadors, as you mentioned, people who either donate ambassadors in the form of moms who give up their babies for uh, adoption and adoptive parents. What, uh, what is the work involved in the fundraising Mm -hmm. element of running a nonprofit? Right. 
Well, um, Laura Anderson is the executive director of Brave Love. Oh, she's not Laura Anderson anymore when she listens to this. She's going to be so sad. She's Laura Bruder. She got married. <laughs> Sorry, Andrew <laughs> Bruder. Um, Mrs. Bruder. Anyway, and then Lee Liebman are our two um, ugh, champions. They are amazing. And they... Um, run the day to day. We have no building. We have no bricks and mortar. They they work out of Starbucks and out of their living rooms and so forth. And so we run a very lean machine. And um, the bulk, the lion's share of the percentage of the dollars that come in go directly out to producing media and um, marketing materials and so forth to share this message of adoption. And so um, our money comes from generous donors uh, from family foundations and other foundations. Um, as well, we have an ambassador campaign. So a lot of people call and say, how can I get involved? What can I do? I want to do something. And so we kind of have, we kind of have a list. There's not, you know, um, we're not cleaning up the inner city. We don't have trash pickups. You know, the, the nature of Brave Love is very different. What we really need are people to share our message. And to share this on Brave Love, I mean, share this on on Facebook and on Instagram, and um, you know, it's amazing how when you start talking about adoption, how how inevitably people say, "Well, I'm adopted," or "My sister was a birth mother," Mm -hmm. and or my, you know, this, I oh, I have two adopted children. You didn't know that, you know. So it just it's funny how that conversation. But just um, being an ambassador means that you give monthly automatic draft at some at some level, and we equip you with. Um, an ambassador kit about how to talk about adoption. How do we change our language from giving up to placing for adoption? And, um, you know, you can carry your Brave Love mug. And what do you answer when somebody says, what's Brave Love? You know, um, so that's what being ambassador is. It's really um, being a spokesperson for those women who choose to do this and being able to say, I, I don't, maybe you don't know any of those women, but you believe it's a heroic thing and, and you're willing to share that. So those are ambassadors. Um, we have a lot of creative material that, that we put out. Um, brochures that are in these women's clinics, um, shorts on training. How do we speak about adoption? How do you, you know, if you are on the front lines working in a pregnancy, uh, a pregnancy resource center or a women's clinic, how do you speak to your client that's sitting across from you? I mean, a lot of those people in that chair have no idea mm-hmm. how to even talk about it. They think, well, I'd never give up my baby for adoption. Why would I counsel her for that? But they don't have the resources and information to know either. And so we train them. So we give those kind of resources. So, um, But we need creative. We need um, creative people that are videographers, um, web designers, and, and all of that. We need those folks. And then, um, honestly, if you know of people that, that um, would be interested in giving. We love that, and we love connecting with other partners and other adoption agencies that are doing an excellent job out there. We've got partners, agencies um, in 50, excuse me, 40 out of 50 states. And that said, these um, adoption, adoption agencies are vetted. Um, we want to make sure that those women are really cared for, that those families that are adopting are very cared for, and that those children that are being placed are very cared for. And that is, we have some very strict parameters in there. So anyway, that's just... Well, so you, other ways. Through through my friendship with your brother, I know that you guys have events. Yes. Or at least an event, you know, yes. once a year. I, I think recently, correct me if I'm wrong, you guys had a period where any donation of Brave Love was going to be matched on a dollar-for-dollar dollar basis. I don't exactly. know if there was a threshold. Yeah, but, yeah. But um, that's, that's awesome. Yeah. 
but but obviously fundraising events is part of what you do as it is. well. It is, is that is. is that a once a year? You know, it, 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 it's hard because because we are national, it's hard to have a fundraising event here in Dallas and feel like you're really reaching your entire target. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, what Robert did, um, you know, we had a crowdfunding campaign and, and my brother ran, um, tell me what the name of the race was called. The Grand Traverse. The Grand Traverse. We called it Run <laughs> Through the Rockies. Anyway, but he ran. I call it Rob's Talk with God. <laughs> <laughs> On two occasions. Oh, but man. Anyway, that's, an, that's another topic. You did it twice? No, no, no. I, I talked to him to oh, God oh, twice. twice. Yes. Twice. I talked to God twice. Anyway, okay. that's, I don't want to hijack you this. Done it twice. Anyway, but he ran and he did a crowdfunding campaign. He didn't want to run over these mountains just for nothing. And so he chose Brave Love. And so we love it when people call us. We had one young girl in high school say, I'm going to run a marathon and I want to raise money for Brave Love. And we said, fantastic. We, this is, we'll help you with this. And so we would, you know, love doing that kind of thing because we are, um, across the U S and, and so it's, it's, but we do have, um, fundraising, fundraisers here in Dallas and, and, you know, small dinners and larger dinners and events and so on and so forth. But in general, um, we're really looking for ways to expand our fundraising capability nationally. And it's hard. And if, so, if somebody's Dallas. motivated right now, they can go to your website, bravelove.org. Oh, yeah, and there's a tab right that there. says donate. Yeah. You just very easy, it. right? Thank you. Yeah. Very easy. Yes. Thank you. We try to make it very easy to take money for Brave Love. <laughs> 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 and another thing is we have a shop. We've got some really great Brave Love swag, and um, people will tell you this is not just me boasting, but our T-shirts are the best. They're yeah. the best. Yeah. They're super soft. They're amazing. We've got bumper stickers, and also our coffee tumblers, to me, are my favorite. They're not complicated. They're dishwasher safe. They're great. I love my coffee tumbler with my okay. Brave Love. So anyway, there's lots of stuff. Too. If you don't want to just give your money away, you can buy stuff. You can buy, yeah. You can buy stuff. That's fantastic. It's, uh, <laughs> yeah. um, so, help me understand. On uh, you guys have been around now for about five years. Almost. Brave four, love, yeah, but, four yeah, years. Four years. We're going to be celebrating five next year. Do you know how many people you've actually touched during all this? Oh golly, you know. Um, I didn't even know what Google Analytics were before Brave Love, and then I got into Brave Love, and I figured out what all this is, and SEO, blah, blah, blah. And that is a big part of what you do. It's a huge, it is our metric. I mean, another another cost item. Yes. Because you were telling me earlier how, based on what, let's say, birth moms are searching for, if they want to know what their options are, adoption, abortion, you know, mm-hmm. whatever that that is, that... You know, that's part of your strategy to spread the message. Yeah, definitely. I mean, our, our spend goes to advertising. I mean, um, May being Mother's Day month and November being National Adoption Month. So Mother's Day is is a very hard month for a lot of birth moms because um, they are mothers mm-hmm. and they feel that. And, and so um, we honor them over the month of May and we had... A, um, a billboard in Hollywood. We've had billboards in New York City. We've had, um, and those are big spend, but yeah. they're also big exposure. And so it's really exciting when we have those. We also buy Google ads and Facebook ads, and um, we really try to maximize. So um, we have a buddy who has um, kiosks downtown, and so when he has remnant space available, he puts Brave Love material in there. And so there will be times when you're walking through downtown Dallas, and it looks like it's been painted red, Brave Love red. And we are so grateful, and we get that we get that free wow. because he believes in our mission. And so um, we are always grateful for for that. And and 
I mean, we've received millions of dollars in pro bono advertisement because of, um, you know, their People belief, their, their belief in, yeah, in believing in what we do. But, um, you know, as far as the impressions, you know, since Brave Love start, I would, I can't even, I can't even guess how many, but I know that, um, you know, our, our, uh, online subscribers quadrupled over the month of May when we, um, launched a new, a new video series. And so we just, it just, it's always directly correlating to, to what we've got going on. To what, the content. What, yeah. yeah. What's, what's coming out. We've got a great birth father story coming out really soon, which is going to make you cry. <laughs> well, not, spe- not you, Rob. Not twice. <laughs> you know, speaking of that, and I shared the story with you earlier. Uh, was it, uh, we had a uh, company dinner last week and one of my colleagues who's, a couple years older than me and has a daughter that's in her early twenties, mid twenties. And as I was telling him about this, I didn't realize his daughter's adopted Mm -hmm. and actually adopted from the the Edna Gladney center. Mm -hmm. And as he started talking about the, the day that he picked up his daughter, Mm -hmm. he, he just shut down. I mean, he got Mm. misty eyed he couldn't finish and he's just like Mm -hmm. excuse me i mean it was such a powerful Mm. image to see a grown man who's had this daughter for so long just remembering the day that Mm. he picked her up as an uh, as a baby Mm -hmm. and it it was very emotional for him and Mm. it it was i mean it just shows you that that Mm. these birth moms are doing a really wonderful service to their children Mm -hmm. if they for some reason aren't equipped to Mm -hmm. to care for them Mm -hmm. there are people out there that that want to love a, exactly. a baby. Exactly. It's so true. And I mean, these stories, I, I, they just don't get old. They really, really don't because each is so unique. And there's a, a, a woman who has delivered this child. There's a child and then there's a family that's receiving this child. I mean, it is powerful every time. It's amazing. And so we had um, one lady who was pregnant who came to our kickoff party back in 2012. She came and, um, unplanned pregnancy. She was just, did not, did not know what she was going to do. And she came to our kickoff party and saw Brave Love Materials and saw our very first video. I don't know if you saw it was the superhero video. It's a 60 second bit. And, um, it was so powerful to her and she chose to place. And I will never forget feeling like, oh, uh, we we can shut our doors. Mm. Like if this if if we did this for this one child and this one young mom and the family, then we did our job because right. it was so amazing. And I knew all the parties in play, and now I know all the parties in play. And it's so neat to see him grow and be loved, and see this loving family love on his birth mother. And it's just really every story is so powerful. And you have you have those that um, don't choose to place. And, but now they know that it is an option out there and that it is loving. So that way when they're sharing their story, they can talk about it in an educated way. Cause we have a lot of, um, young pregnant women who say, I'm not going to place, but I'm so thankful to know what that is, is like and what, you know, what, what those, that, it, that, that is even an option for me. I'm thankful to say that I have the resources. I can raise this child, but I didn't even know that this was an option for me. So 
It's such a great story. Thank you for being here and sharing it. We really appreciate it. Thank yeah, you well, for thank having you. me. It's been I really great. appreciate it. And if you uh, listening to this are so inclined, please visit the website. It's bravelove.org. There's great material there. It is uh, it is some tearjerker material, but they're doing some wonderful work there. And it's a an easy way to donate if, if you are so inclined. So uh, again, thanks a lot for being here. We really appreciate it. Appreciate you both. Thank you.